So today on Uprise Radio, James and I are talking about the need to protect tenants uh, during this time of mass unemployment and economic slowdown. Uh, last week, we chatted to some organisers of the Australia-wide rent strike, uh, following on from rent strikes that have been organised in other cities and other countries around the world. Um, and then just today, uh, the 15th of April, the Andrews government here in Victoria has actually released uh, their tenants and landlords assistance package so in the second half of today's episode uh, we're chatting uh, with another member of the rent strike uh, getting a reaction to that announcement so two parts same topic uh, first up we've got this interview with Gail and Tristan I hope you enjoy so you're listening to Uprise Radio on 3CR we're joined by Tristan and Yael to talk about uh, the rent strike that started at the beginning of this month uh, organized by rent strike Australia being a key organizing group online and they've emailed real estate agents all over the country about thousands of tenants simultaneously stopping to pay rent. So, Yao, can you give us an indication of just how many tenants uh, you've mobilised to stop paying rent uh, at this moment? Sure. Well, um, so we started with the megaphone petition, um, and that has about 17,000 people who responded across Australia um, who've indicated that they want to participate in a rent strike. and we followed that up with a survey of information um, to, to gauge in what capacity people have the ability to do so. Um, and so that survey's had a response of um, a few thousand people. Um, and we followed that up with like phone calls and, and organizing. Um, that's, a few, that's a fair few people. I know that you emailed a lot of real estate agents here in Melbourne and, and probably around, and around the country as well. There's been some mixed messages from the government about, you know, a freeze on evictions, you know, encouraging tenants to kind of speak to their landlord on an individual basis. Why is it important for this to be a collective action that everyone does together? And what kind of uh, responses have you had from the real estate agents that you you emailed about uh, this group action? I think it's important that it's a collective action because there's a clear power imbalance between tenants and agents and landlords. Uh, Agents and landlords essentially control someone's access to a basic human necessity, which is shelter. um, And they have the ability to remove that. Tenants don't really have much to to bargain with except uh, paying rent. Um, And since the, the rental eviction um, moratorium hasn't actually been cleared. There's been no clear policy put out as to um, who that covers, if it's blanket. Um, the statements all said um, it was for people in financial hardship, but provided no definition and basically just said it's up to the states and the states um, themselves haven't actually put out anything specific either. So we don't really know um, who that who that applies to. Um, and then moving to the response of agents, most agents just kind of, we didn't really get a lot of direct responses from agents to our letter, but we do know that they've been talking about it because we have people inside some of their Facebook groups um, and they've been talking about it and talking about ways that they can um, get around the eviction moratorium, basically ways that they can still evict people 
um, yeah. quite open talking about how they want to do that and why they want to do that and um, figuring out ways to do that. Yeah, I've uh, seen some really ridiculous letters from agents saying that they won't even speak to the landlord about the needs of the tenant unless the tenant provides bank statements showing that they have no statements, proof that they've tried to draw on their superannuation, they're encouraging people to draw on their superannuation. I mean, that almost seems like it could be illegal to, or, or a breach of trust to encourage people to draw on their superannuation to pay rent. Yeah, um, uh, Tristan might know a bit more about the specifics of that, but that, that kind of financial advice from um, real estate agents is most definitely illegal. Um, uh, it's unclear as to whether them <clears throat> requesting documentation to prove out uh, what the definition of hardship is, um, is constitutes as legal advice or sorry, financial advice as well. But um, we are encouraging people who are participating in the strike to like document those interactions and send them in to us so that we can forward them on to lawyers. Mm. Yeah, I saw a guy on Twitter, a guy called Josh, um, you know, received that type of communication from his landlord, you know, asking for proof of his bank balance, proof of severance of employment, telling him to, you know, put draw on his super. And he wrote back saying, well, I'd like to see your bank balance, your property portfolio, what you owe on your mortgages, you know, what your savings are why aren't you drawing on your super to pay your mortgage? And of course that, that was the end of the conversation. No more response from, so that perhaps that might be a, a good, a good method to take. Yeah, we saw that as well. Look, we, we do think that forcing people to divulge their personal um, financial information without any guarantee of even getting anything out of it is, mm. is a form of abuse. Um, it's again, using that power that agents and landlords have on their tenants. Um, and it's also, we think it's a breach of both privacy tenant and corporate law. Um, when it comes to uh, telling tenants to dip into their super, that is definitely illegal. ASIC itself has come out and said that that is illegal, um, that it's providing unlicensed financial advice, and that they will go after agents and landlords who who do that. Um, yet they're still doing it, even after that, that letter was sent to agents um, and publicly released, and we're still getting people who are getting messages telling them they should dip into their super. So, um, I, I wonder if you could give us a bit of an example of what the process will be like for people to participate, you know, what kind of things that they should be doing. Um, and then I guess, yeah, from that, if they do encounter issues, uh, what kind of support could be offered to them? Uh, we're asking people to do a few things. So the first thing is to um, sign the pledge and also do the, the online survey so that we can keep in touch with them. When it comes to what happens if people do start getting targeted, again, we, we ask people to email us any kind of um, correspondence from their landlord so that we can compile it. We do have people um, helping us uh, when it comes to the legal advice and that kind of thing. So they take a look at that. Um, but we also think that our strength in defending people is through our collective strength. So that's why it's really important that we do grow the strike and we're building the networks now that we can use in the future to um, defend anyone that does face any retaliation for their participation in the in the strike what exactly that kind of defense would look like i think we'll have to we'll have to see where we are when it comes to social isolation and lockdown stages and that kind of thing but we have some ideas uh, i'm not going to go into details about specifics but we do have some ideas in mind i think during the global financial crisis particularly in the us we saw groups like take back the land, come out and, you know, essentially, um, you know, really, I guess, physically and, um, you know, through grassroots campaigning, stop people from having their homes taken away from them. 
Do you think we could be heading towards that kind of thing? I know you said depends on kind of lockdown laws and things like that, but, you know, provided that there are space for people to be able to support in that way, do you think that's the kind of um, mobilisation and campaigning we could see? Um, so like Kristen said, um, with the legislation around lockdown and social distancing that's being mandated by the state, what our ability to do physically, um, like as in going to people's houses, um, is pretty limited uh, at the moment, but that's subject to change at some point in the future. But um, definitely amongst the people that I've spoken with, um, people want to be uh, in solidarity and support with each other um, and help prevent um, evictions from taking place um, and help make sure that everyone has um, a roof over their head and access to stable housing without um, any negative repercussions for not being able to pay rent. Um, and there's many, many reasons why uh, huge communities in Australia um, can't pay rent at the moment. And that's why we're kind of organizing around that. Um, and so whether we'll follow like a um, North American um, uh, kind of uh, land acquisition kind of um, approach, um, I can't really say but um, people are definitely wanting to organize around making sure that they continue to have access to housing. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that idea of solidarity. I'm personally in a bit of a quandary right now because I rent, I'm a renter, but my landlords, I don't have a real estate agent. I, I, I vaguely know my, my landlords through friends and one of them's a paramedic and the other is a nurse. I haven't lost any work myself and I feel a bit strange, like kind of financially benefiting at the cost of people who are right on the front line, you know, who have been decent landlords to me. I was having a chat with a friend the other day and he said, no, it's not about that. You know, it's about, you know, you supporting those that aren't in that position. But I, but I feel a bit uncomfortable. I mean, what would you say to someone like me who feels awkward about benefiting in some way by keeping that money that I, that I could give on to them? Uh, it, is, it is for folks who can still afford to pay rent. We are still encouraging people like that to join the strike because it, it basically it provides a level of protection to folks who just can't afford to pay rent um, because it makes it harder to target. Basically, the more people that refuse to pay rent and join the rent strike, the harder, just like in any strike, the harder it is for any kind of retaliation to take place. It makes us stronger and it makes us, uh, makes it more likely that we'll win earlier. I mean, I do get, you're not the only person who has like that kind of personal relationship with their, with their landlord. And I do get um, that you don't want to affect them negatively, but it's also important to, to remember that we're calling for a mortgage strike as well. And we're calling for things that will benefit your landlord when it comes to a freeze on mortgages. Um, and so right now, like some banks are offering a six month payment freeze, but they're still putting interest, um, collecting interest on mm. the, the uh, principal of the mortgage, which means that people end up owing more mm. money after six months than they would have Otherwise, uh, we, we disagree with that. We don't think that's right either. We think that there needs to be a full mortgage amnesty and a full rent amnesty, no increase in debts. So that means no um, expectation that renters will pay back the rent that they haven't paid in six months or a year or whatever. And the same with we think that interest um, accrual needs to stop on mortgages um, and that uh, people need to not be retaliated against by banks and landlords. So like if anything, I would encourage folks in that situation to see um, if their landlords want to join the, the strike as well. Because at this point, we've had an overwhelming um, 
over, overwhelming uh, support from renters, but um, from the position of mortgagers, we're still quite quite low on people um, wanting to be part of the strike that mm. we're actually haven't had mortgages go on strike yet. At this point, it is just a rent strike. Um, I myself own my place um, with my wife and um, I was, I truly believe that we need to get more mortgages involved because I don't see a rent amnesty being possible without a mortgage amnesty as well for that reason. Yale, did you have something to say to the other questions? Um, yeah, this about um, the act of uh, rent seeking um, and, the, and the nature of that. That like it's and if you own a house that you intend to seek rent through, um, I landlord be a landlord. Um, that's an investment that is speculation. Um, and so, just as if you had bought stocks and the economy crashed and you lost a bunch of money uh, doing that, um, owning a house that you don't live in is a form of um, investment. It's a form of uh, a risk that you've taken. Um, and uh, the fact that people can't pay their rents um, due to the fact they're facing a global pandemic and have been told that they can no longer work, um, that's a risk, that's a loss. Um, so I just think that's an important thing to mention when you're talking about um, how this might affect your landlord um, is they knowingly took risks in, in buying a property that they chose not to live in and, and rent out to someone else. Um, and that sometimes risks don't pay off. I think if we if we do want to see um, an outcome, which I guess I assume that part of the campaign is looking towards making some of the promises that the federal government has said that around this issue, but they have yet to actually put any legislation in place for any of those. You know, they've been really quick to put in uh, legislation around police powers and things like that, but uh, it seems all too difficult to actually make legislation around renters and you know mortgage rights but i think tristan's right that unless we do have a mortgage freeze that the um you know the rent strike is not going to be successful without the other because you're going to have one part of that equation still paying an amount of money regardless of what i think you know perhaps our political ideas might be on the um, legitimacy of landlords it's still from a um, policy change i think it needs that second part as well yeah exactly so um, if people are listening and want to get involved, uh, what's the best way for them to do that today? Best way would be to go to our website, which is ozrentstrike.com. That's A-U-S-R-E-N-T-S-T-R-I-K-E. Um, from there, you can do the survey, which is how we're keeping in touch with people. Or uh, you could also go to Facebook, where the Facebook page is Rent and Mortgage Strike Australia and can get in touch with us that way and find yeah. the link to the survey that way. Okay, well, uh, thanks heaps for joining us today, Tristan and Yao, and uh, I hope uh, to see you on a physical picket one day soon. Thanks, see you then. So now me and James are having a discussion about the release today of the Andrews government here in Victoria's Tenants and Landlords Rental Relief Package. The details of that package have been released. It's going to be brought to Parliament on Thursday tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that that policy looks bullshit to me. I know, um, it's absolute bullshit. Even the thing, it seems like a lot of money for landlords, but it's just to pay for land tax. That's not going to help them stop paying their mortgage. Yeah, and also it's it guarantees them 25% reduction in their land tax if they engage in any reduction in rent. Meanwhile, renters have to prove they don't have $5,000 in savings or and, and that their rent is more than 30% 
of their income to qualify for the paltry 80 million in rent relief. You know, like mm. it's, it's so unbalanced. Why should tenants who, you know, as a general rule have left as, less assets than people who own or in the process of owning their own homes have to prove such a high level of insecurity before they're eligible? Why shouldn't landlords have to declare their savings before they say, I couldn't possibly reduce my rent, you know? Well, even the thing about the land tax, I don't know what, that's not a big concession anyway. Not, no, it's, but, but, but it's also, if you look at the, the priorities, you know, between the amount of money being uh, siphoned towards tenants, towards landlords, sorry, to keep them happy, to keep them peaches and cream, you know, 420 million of the, of the 500 million promised, and yet to receive any rental relief from this package, the renters have to be already in a really dire situation, you know, no savings. And, you know, wh- why? Why should renters have to dip into their savings before landlords do? What else are your thoughts on Andrew's package? Well, it's interesting. At least it's been put into legislation. It seemed like um, we weren't actually going to get any of this kind of stuff into proper legislation. Do you mean it the moratorium put- on evictions? Yeah, you know, yeah, this kind of stuff. Like, you know, the government, federal government has been really quick to enact, um, you know, police powers and other things like that. And, you know, like we've spoken about a few times, but these kind of things to help people that haven't been keen to actually put them into legislation. So I think that's a positive, but it, it it's not good enough. Like the, the it's not going to go far enough. I mean, I think the moratorium on being evicted is positive, but then I couldn't see didn't like what the details are around that though. Like, what does that mean? You know, if you are in a process of needing to be evicted, you know, are you then going to have to pay money back later or you can see a situation where they go, okay, well, you're not going to be evicted. The person can't afford to pay any rent. And then all of a sudden in six months time, they're in like eight grand debt or something. Well, the wording is pretty loose at the moment. It says, to provide much-needed peace of mind and security, evictions will be banned for residential tenancies for six months, except in some circumstances. Yeah, they're not saying anything about accrual of rent. And I think the other thing that's quite concerning is the, the incentive for landlords to enter negotiations with their tenants is a 25% reduction in land tax. But all it says if a landlord uh, does the right thing by their tenants, provides their tenants with rent relief, there's no actual percentage of, of what amount are they providing rent relief. You know, like they could say, oh, we're going to knock down your rent by 5%, you know, by the, by the amount we increased it for at the beginning of this financial year. You know, like, mm. it's, there's really no uh, detail, it seems like to me, and it seems like the, the vast majority of funds are weighed massively towards the landlord but still not enough to really encourage the landlords to provide genuine relief for their renters, like a 25% reduction in land, land tax and then a deferred payment of the rest of land tax. Like it's not exactly, you know, groundbreaking stuff for a landlord that is on the verge of, of financial ruin. I think the really problematic thing is the total lack of, you know, transparency into the wealth of individual landlords. I think the landlord thing is like, where it's key and relevant is, you know, for our conversations and stuff here is that it's not going to put, you know, like you're saying, there's not an onus on the landlord to take it up, but it's also not 
it's not going to make the tenant feel confident that they can stop paying rent or, you know, work something out when there is no real incentive for the landlord and there's no, I mean, I suspect that like if for, for tenants, uh, landlords who, you know, been playing this kind of game where they play, they pay interest only loans and, and shit like that. Anyway, a lot of those people have probably taken up the option of pausing their mortgage anyway, because they have no intention of seeing out the end of their, the, the house's loan, you know, like might buy a house and go, okay, this is the house I'm going to live in. And you intend to kind of see out its loan and live in it forever or whatever. Mm. Whereas, you know, investors in that way, that they don't intend on doing that. So they don't really care if that they can pause it for six months and that will be at the end of the loan because they'll never be paying that. Yeah, no, they just seem to think that their income is untouchable. You know, I think the other thing to be reminded of is like, you know, this this uh this this cut off uh, rent assistance is like, oh, if you're spending thirty percent of your income on rent, you know, the reality is that for people who've lost their jobs, they now have no income. So any percentage of their yeah, you know, yeah. the rent is always gonna be more than 100% of their income. But anyway, um, we've also got uh, a representative from the rent strike who we spoke to earlier in the week on the line. So I thought, uh, you know, we were talking to Tristan and Yale earlier about the need for legislative change to actually help, uh, you know, and that's the aim of, of the strike. Uh, so I thought we'd get our Patty Gordon on the line um, to just uh, give us a bit of a insight into how the, the organisation is feeling about this outcome. Hi there, Patty. Hi, Jackson. Hi, James. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Andrews's package? Yeah, no, we're we're very very disappointed from um you know the self styled most progressive premier in Australia. Um, this is just um yeah it's it's a slap in the face basically for the most vulnerable, uh, for tenants. Um, you know it's I mean I think you've alluded to it. It, it should really be called landlord relief rather than landlord and tenant relief. I mean, there's, you know, this idea of a partnership between a landlord and a tenant. Um, you know, this is a partnership, something that people enter into on equal terms. Now, the way that, you know, the housing market and, you know, you could argue very strongly that housing shouldn't be a market, but the way it's structured in this country is, you know, with the negative gearing and tax breaks for property investment um, combined with, you know, massively high rents puts tenants at, at an absolute structural disadvantage trying to just get, you know, the fundamental human right of a roof over their head. Um, and, and this kind of burden of proof on tenants to have to prove. So the steps that, are, that they need to take in order that, that we as tenants would need to take in order to get a little bit of this, a little sliver of this 80 million is either to register with Consumer Affairs Victoria or have gone through mediation. So that's step one. Then you've got to have less than 5,000 in savings. So that's on you to prove that. And then you've, you've still got to be paying at least 30% in rent. I mean, that's whether you've got no income, if you're you know, an international student, a migrant worker, one of the, the, the numerous casual workers that fall through the cracks of the government's various schemes, as welcome as these are. Um, so. It reminds me a little bit of robo-debt where the, the burden of proof is on those who are struggling and disadvantaged structurally to kind of prove that they're poor. It's like, well, you're being punished for being poor and if you can prove that you're poor enough, we won't punish you quite as much. Um, I'd, I'd hoped for better from, from uh, you know, uh, an ostensibly progressive state Labor government, but it's, it's terribly disappointing. Um, yeah, just I think this idea of a partnership between tenants and landlords is a joke, frankly. Um, anyone who's 
being a tenant knows that it's not a partnership that you have to, you know, to beg and, and kind of crawl to get repairs done. You can't have a partnership when there is such a structural disadvantage. And whilst the COVID-19 pandemic has absolutely highlighted the uh, structural disadvantage renters face in this country, this rent relief package does nothing really to address that. Yeah, it is disappointing from Andrews. What's next for the strike? We keep building. Um, you know, we've already, we sent out uh, a bunch of letters uh, yesterday to uh, real estate agents informing them of, um, so we've done it by council area, informing them that there are tenants renting with their agency who are on strike. So, you know, with this structural disadvantage, as you both would know, well, the only strength we have is in our numbers. So we need to keep building um, collective, you know, concrete support for those that are being uh, faced with eviction. We need, you know, we need to be ha we're having conversations with people who are struggling. And, you know, a lot of people, one of the, the, the kind of perhaps silver linings of this crisis is that a lot of people who might not have been so aware of it are, are waking up to the fact of how uh, unjust things like the mass casualization of the workforce is, the, you know, how the, the structural inequalities of the housing market how unfair and how weighted towards, you know, the capitalist class these are. So I, I think that's, that's the one glimmer of hope. And from the conversations I've had with, with people who are joining the movement, you know, they're, they're, their eyes are really being open to this. For us, it's just about doing that groundwork of organising, talking to people, building, you know, kind of distributed organising networks um, and also having direct action groups that are there to take material action to to help those that are at risk of eviction. Well, I think um, we saw earlier this week a number of protests already shut down, refugee protests and uh, union protests as well, where people were, you know, inside their cars, they're maintaining, um, you know, essentially all of the, um, you know, restrictions and things that they need to about having yeah. safe distancing, being in their cars and things. And there's a question I think, you know, we um, pose to some of the other organisers of this campaign as well. And I guess, you know, there will be times that people need to come out and provide assistance. And we're seeing more and more of our um, civic rights, civic duties taken away from us in the ability to be able to, yeah. you know, give support to people. How do you think we, you know, where I guess where's that going to end? And how do you think we can provide that support if we can't physically get to see someone? Yeah, well, that's, that's a really, really good question. And you know, we need to constantly be strategizing about that. I mean, I wish I had a really good concrete answer, but this is, you know, everyone, I'm, I'm a bit tired of the word unprecedented, to be honest. But I mean, for those of us who are interested in, in um, using the, the inequalities that have been, you know, revealed by this crisis to push for progressive social change, um, you know, it is uh, the tactics that we've used previously. Like, I mean, a strike is, of course, an age-old tactic, but yeah, to, to, to physically... Um, defend someone who's about to be evicted obviously you know you can be arrested if you've got you know a certain amount of people close together so we'd, we'd be having to look at things like um overwhelming uh real estate agents um you know by blitzing them with phone calls or uh, by you know having i mean using cars in some way to block access. Um, I think a really good way to distract the police at the moment is to have a dinner party. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a dinner party. <laughs> you have a dinner party just down the road from where someone's getting evicted, yeah. and uh, you draw the police attention towards you and away from 
those that need protection. I actually think there's a bit of merit in that idea. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, um, I wish I had a better answer for you about what we can concretely do, but you know, it's, it's everything is in process. And I know the one thing we can concretely do is keep building the movement. There are, there are many people who are rent striking without knowing it, if you know what I mean. They're, they're, they can't pay their rent. Um, they're desperate. They don't know what to do. So we need to, we're, we're reaching as many of those people as we can. Um, as I say, we're using the media as much as we can to get our message out. And, you know, we're, yeah. That's great. We're out of time. Um, thank you very much yeah. for talking to us and you're breaking up a little. Thanks, Jackson and James. Bye. So that was Paddy Gordon from Rent Strike Australia. You type that into Facebook, you'll be able to get some more details. You've been listening to Uprise Radio, and I think uh, you know every tenant out there can take a leaf out of Solomon Liu's book. Who he he rents twenty four hundred different commercial properties, and last week he just said, "Well, I'm not going to pay any rent. I'm just going to make that executive decision." And now it's a problem for the uh, the bigger leaseholders that I'm renting off. That's their problem now, not mine, but I won't be paying in the time of COVID-19. And I think that's what tenants need to do as well. There needs to be such an amount of them that the problem becomes the landlord's problem, not the tenant's problem, which is um, the way it normally is framed in these type of discourses. But you've been listening to Uprise Radio. And thanks to James for sharing those interviews with me today. And uh, we will talk to you again in a fortnight's time. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was.